The Right Hook Podcast. Make business sense on the road with the Mitsubishi Outlander Business, the two-seater SUV with low BIK, 200 euro VRT and a five-year warranty. MitsubishiMotors.ie All right, welcome back. It's George Hook. It's The Right Hook and we're heading straight to Atlanta to the land of cotton and all that sort of stuff. What's the words <laughs> of the song again? <laughs> I wish I were in the land of cotton, old times there and not forgotten. Look away, Dixieland. That's it. Perfect. That's I love the it. One. There That's you go. It. So, George, is it the rumor? I, I heard that a prominent white European was going to be playing Michael Jackson in the upcoming made-for-TV movie. I thought, perfect role for George Hook. His moonwalk is amazing. Did I have the right guy? Michael Ray Fiennes. Is it? Oh, actually, it's Joseph Fines, isn't it? Oh, I see. There's two Fines. There's another Fines. There's, fine. there's there. another Fines and a walk to all the way to the uh, Antarctic. Well, nothing will so be fine. So Michael or... Graham, Michael Graham, I have to introduce you. In, in, the, in the unlikely event there's anybody in Ireland who hasn't heard of you, from from News Radio 106.7 in Atlanta, Georgia, six foot seven, weighs roughly about ninety eight pounds, doesn't <laughs> cast a shadow. Has to. Have you seen any movies recently? I saw Thirteen Hours, the story of what happened uh, at Benghazi. It's. Uh... It was Michael Bay, you know, who's known for his subtle, understated filmmaking like Armageddon and Transformers. And uh, it was it was decent. It wasn't was the best movie ever. But anyone who watches it, you it reminds you yet again, government stinks. They stink at everything they do. In this case, government stupidity got people killed. All right. Well, I did. um, I watched Concussion with um, your man. And uh, yes, first Will Smith. Will Smith. He certainly wouldn't. I know what he was complaining about. He certainly didn't deserve an Oscar. Fantastic movie. It was a story close to my heart. Right. Uh, but but I didn't rate Smith particularly good. Do you have any thoughts about that black white Oscar thing? That's ridiculous. The idea that liberal Hollywood won't cast a ballot, you know, for a uh, actor because he or she is black is just ludicrous on its face. And the uh, be- the best way to satirize it was a not great movie out a few years ago with Robert Downey Jr. called Tropic Thunder, where he played an Australian uh, a method actor who thought he was just like super talented. We think it's loosely based on Russell Crowe. So he plays a black American infantryman <laughs> in a movie. He'd like uses chemicals, whatever. It is. And the way they parody the, how he right. doesn't get it that you know what he's doing is insulting okay. just shows uh, you know Hollywood's obsession with race is right out front they're not rejecting you know th- this isn't the KKK Academy Awards no I mean the point is Hollywood is the most liberal place on earth I mean really but anyway how's how's our man doing how's Donald the Trump doing <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, the, the polls, uh, nine of the last seven polls show him leading in Iowa where the first voting event will happen, the caucus, this Monday night. So Monday night's going to test this question. Are Trump fans drawn by his 12 years of reality TV celebrity? Because you know it's like, George, being a big-time celebrity. You know, people just want to hang out with you. They want to be near you. Yeah, yeah. But as far as voting for you, it's not the same thing. Or what are we going to see what we've traditionally seen in elections, particularly in Iowa, where you have— you know, hardcore party members show up to cast a political vote. If celebrity wins, Trump will do very well. Last night, he 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 uh, blew off a debate last night, claiming that the questions that he'd gotten from Fox News were too hard, and they hurt his feelings. And you're a big meaner, and I don't think that helped him. I also think it didn't help him because 
I, I'm never going to vote for Trump ever under any circumstances. If it comes down to Trump and Hillary, I'll, I'll write in somebody else. But um, the, the, his number one challenge is, does he look presidential? Could you see him behind the desk getting the phone call that an American embassy was under fire or that Russia had invaded uh, Estonia? Would, would he be up to it? And flaking off and not showing up and holding his little sideshow kind of you know, thing that that feeds the notion right, okay, that he's too but, flaky to be president. No, I don't think so. The Irish Independent, a very distinguished newspaper, uh, mm-hmm. had an article today in which the the guy, uh, an American, says his chances of becoming president are about twenty percent. Now, twenty percent a year out, pretty well from the election, uh, is pretty special. I mean, he's got a chance, no doubt about it. But this is what's going until we see people vote. If if what we're seeing in polls and at events where he has, you know, last night he had, uh, you know, several thousand people show up uh, for his counter programming, then he will he has a chance to do well. But, but we if he yeah, yet. but if he wins Iowa and New Hampshire, any presidential candidate who wins Iowa and New Hampshire is a serious candidate. So we have to wait and see. Now you and sport, because as I said, six foot seven, ninety eight pounds. <laughs> uh, sport wasn't really your strong point. Trombone. No, no, I was a basketball. I played basketball in high school. I was uh, I was one of the most mediocre high school center basketball centers in the history of high school basketball, but I, I played, had a good time. It was a great right. experience. But the thing is that money and sport actually are incompatible. And and it is no surprise at all that there's corruption in tennis. We know there's corruption in, in football uh, and, well, soccer to you. Uh, but but <laughs> money immediately means corruption. Isn't that right? Well, this is what what's interesting about the tennis issue. You know, team sport, you know, we had the infamous Black Sox scandal in the United States back in 1919 where a team yeah. tried to throw the uh, World Series. But it's hard. one of the things that makes may, still makes people doubt what really happened is it's hard for a team to throw a game. Yeah. But in in individual sport, whether it's, you know, a track and field, you know, running or whether it's tennis or, you know, anything, or, you know, one on one golf, which isn't really a sport, but you know what I mean? Um how do you stop a performer from throwing a contest? Because all they have to do is, quote, have a bad day, close quote. You Correct. can't really, you know what I'm saying? So I, I don't even know how it's policeable. That's why I'm more interested in hearing what you say about this, because you have more insights into uh, Well, I think the thing is that, it, particularly in tennis, I can see how it's corruptible. Because, you know, funny enough, you can be like about 250th in the world in golf and you're actually still making a couple of million. 250th in tennis in the world and you can't buy McDonald's. So if if somebody come, although interestingly, some of the information is saying that some of the top guys in the sport have been corrupted. But Do you think they are? Do you think they're really throwing matches for money on the side? I do, yeah. I mean, I don't oh. know who, but, but I mean, money has corrupted sport. There's no question. The rugby, my sport, is a much worse sport since it went professional. Not not because of corruption, but it's a much worse sport since it went no. professional when it was amateur. Professional gives the people a chance to be their best. That's why the best 
uh, uh, you know, real football, American football in the world is the NFL because the money is the best baseball in the world, even though there are baseball teams in you know, Asia and in Central America is in America because you, you good money brings lures in people to be their best. Look at hurling and the challenge they're having. You know, the money's not there, so the athletes don't stay there. Of course and, which they is a bummer because I'd rather watch hurling than watch anything else. And, yeah, well, when uh, you but, come over for the Georgia Tech Boston College game, uh, you can you can um, go to hurling matches. Hey, hey George, can I give a shout out? Since I'm usually bashing our European friends, can I give a shout out to my uh, Eurorini pals in Sweden and Denmark? Yes, please. Do. A big praise. They're get a, a a brief moment of sanity breaking out on the con- continent. As Sweden says, you know, just because you claim you need asylum doesn't mean you do. A, a bunch of you don't. You're just here looking for, you know, jobs, money, uh, free money, whatever. And so they're going to be shipping out around sixty to 80,000 because they're not refugees. They're just not. And then Denmark is doing something truly astonishing. They're going to treat the uh, migrants the same way they treat their own citizens. You can't go on the dole. If you, if you have more than $1,500 worth of stuff, you have to hand the uh, over 1500 bucks to the government because you're going on the dole. And I love listening to the people who are outraged. You can't treat them like they're Danes. They're migrants. They're special. They get special treatment. So, well, the uh, interesting uh, thing for you is you can now add Finland to the deal, who've just oh. come out and said uh, they're going to deport roughly half the number of people who've sought asylum. And now you can even now add Germany, uh, mm-hmm. who are finding a more innovative ways. Like, for instance, what Germany is doing is saying, if you come from Algeria, Tunisia, Tunisia or Morocco, Right. Uh, as far as we're concerned, they're safe countries. So you right. can't actually claim if you come from those uh, countries and uh, you're fleeing oppression. Right. So you can't get uh, refugee status. So so even the Germans, I mean, this is a huge story for, for, for <laughs> Europe. Yeah, I mean, you laugh at it like you're, you're sitting over there, typical isolationist America, oh, please. like you were in 1938. We've got 11 like million 19- illegal immigrants here right now stealing jobs, driving down wages and using up taxes. And we had to listen to self-righteous Europeans going, oh, those Republicans are a bunch of racists for wanting to control their borders. Why would they want to control their borders? You don't even need borders. Well... Hello, welcome. Like I told you from the beginning, yeah, I agree. the fundamental premise no, of I agree. nation no, states I agree. having a controllable border. Will you let me agree with you or not? For one, I don't think I like that. Yeah. If you, when you agree with me, I'm tempted to change my position. George, yeah, but but the problem is we are now. I, it's really interesting. We are now facing the problem that Americans have faced for a couple of decades, and mm-hmm. and suddenly we're beginning to see. You know, we're not all that different. Um, from them in terms of when we're faced with this kind of problem. So it's going to be really interesting. The other thing I I wanted to ask you, as probably the greatest uh, political commentator since Socrates, (laughs) how would you like to come over and look at our election and sort of bring your unique... um, uh, a vision of our perspective. Perfect. Thank you so much. Your unique perspective to our election. You know, I, I first of all, any chance I can be in Ireland, I'm happy to take. I love coming to Ireland. And we'd let but, you go but, on the dole. 
Uh, and I want to go. I, I will apply. I will apply as a migrant. I'll come right over. Absolutely, get in line. I want to. I'm a migrant. and I want free water. If you just take <laughs> care of that, I'll be fine. But this is. I just. It's so frustrating. So, are any political parties going to step up on behalf of the premise that being Irish should matter when no, it comes no. to board? No. So no. So if you're going to have all the political parties all saying we're going to stick with what failed because we're too gutless to tell the truth, will there be any show to watch in your politics? Well, I, on this particular issue, it is, okay. I think partially, to be fair to the Irish people, they haven't experienced it because at the moment it's all theory. Right. You know, exactly. nobody's arrived. So, I mean, understandably, but if 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 you compare this issue to Watergate, um, uh, you know, I know that's a big stretch, but you know what I mean? <laughs> in that Watergate happened before the election, but Nixon right. still came home in a canter and it then That's didn't right. surface until after he was elected this issue uh, the the issue of borders will surface after this election and then they'll be talking about it well I'd be lo I'd love to come and watch up close and personal and see uh, how it works it'd be fantastic it'd be fascinating you know the only election I've seen up close was the campus election at Trinity. <laughs> when they were, when the social, the socialists, the communists, the Sinn Fein, and the Greens were all fighting it out, and I, I only vaguely remember that night because these very generous students uh, plied me with alcohol all night long. All right, um, just to get back to the election, okay. there's Trump, of course, but but what about the other side? How do you, how's the how's the Bernie Sanders thing going versus Clinton? He's He's neck and neck in Iowa. He's leading big time in New Hampshire. He's gaining ground in the Southeast. Well, here's the deal. Nobody wants to vote for Hillary Clinton. They don't want to. But, you know, she's the Democrat. And so you have people, who, you know, that works. It's your party. You're loyal. But they don't want to vote for her. And Bernie's starting to convince people, hey, you can vote for me and really be happy about your vote. You can vote for a pure European socialist who wants government-run, you know, mandated health care and the whole bit and, and feel great. And he's sparking fire. Meanwhile, Hillary continues to have problems every day. We get another news story about emails that she sent. And think about this, George. Top secret information from your minister of foreign affairs on a homebrew server in his basement. This, that's all fact. That's not in dispute. He just says there's nothing wrong with that. That's Hillary's position. And now it's so bad that the State Department has announced, even though a court has ordered us to release more of her emails, we're not going to do it until after the New Hampshire primary. So now she's openly, flagrantly breaking the law, and it makes people uncomfortable going, you know, one day she's going to face a Republican and not just a bunch but of Democrats. But why, why, why is this such a big deal? I mean, I understand why, it, like, top-secret documents were on her private email right. or whatever. That's right. But, but why is it such a big deal? I mean, she wasn't giving it to Vlad. Nobody's suggesting she well, was given the information to Vladimir Putin. You're absolutely right. Because the reason is because we have laws about how to handle, uh, uh, you know, classified, secret, top secret, and then above top secret stuff. For example, some of the stuff that went through her email, if you had a hard copy of it, George, you're required by law to go to a special room that's designed to review top secret documents, you know, so that there can't be prying eyes and stuff. And she was sending this around like it was brownie recipes. It was going on a server that she, sh she shared the same email uh, router, I guess it is. It, it, with a Caribbean company that handles porn. So well, why would she do that? Russia. Seriously, why do you? I mean, because, you're not okay, doubting no, Hillary no joke, Clinton's no patriotism. No, no joke, no spin, no nothing. She wanted to opt out of the government, the regular secure government email, because she wanted what she did to be beyond the view of Congress. 
She didn't want Congress to see what she was doing. And because there was so much money coming into the Clinton Foundation, her <clears throat> nonprofit that was collecting millions from foreign governments, George, while she was secretary of state. She was collecting millions from businesses in America with business before foreign governments while she was secretary of state. I mean, this is the thing about Hillary's corruption. It's not a secret. She's corrupt. She's a she's a Chicago politician, you know, corruption in your price range. And now she's running for election with people who don't kind of understand. I, I just suspect you're biased. I, I Listen, I swear I am biased, but I promise you everything I just told you is absolutely true. The only reason to opt out of the government email that everyone else uses, that the previous secretary of state's use, military uses, she didn't she wanted to be beyond the reach of the Republican Congress. She didn't like or actually, it wasn't even a Republican conversation. She's, she's, the Clintons have always been kind of secretive. They're like your buddy, Bertie Ahern. Why didn't he have a bank account? Because when you start having bank accounts, paperwork starts showing up and numbers and accountants. That's not good. He's got a sack of money under his bar stool. That's a much, much more efficient way to work. All right. Listen, uh, we, we'll be uh, getting on to the airlines to see if they'll take you because, of course, <laughs> you're a possible threat. But we'll do I, our I, best. I'm, I'm OK. I've got a Syrian ID card, so I'm and, all set. I, and, got it, I got it from a friend of mine, Al Qaeda, I think was his name. <laughs> so I'm all set. And then get your Georgia Tech jersey ready for Ready for to go. Fall. Absolutely. Uh, News Radio 106.7 FM host Michael Graham.